0: Y'all can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I freaked out a little bit because my watch, like, so, well, well, since I'm on this, um, hello everybody on Facebook. (laughs) Um, We've been doing Facebook Live for, what, like, a little little over a month now, and so I've yet to say, hey, welcome to Facebook, you know, whatever. So, but, so, with that regard, um, my phone, like, my watch started vibrating. I was like, man, I, I know I put it on Do Not Disturb. I know how to put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, then I look down and it says, "It looks like you're working out." <laughs> so I was like, "No," but I guess it's a workout when you're up here jumping. But uh, on a celebratory note, and I know this is you're well, most of you're like, I can't believe you're even saying this from the stage, Derek. But it's something I'm excited about and um, and stuff. But as of yesterday, I reached the hundred pounds down club. <laughs> I can bend over and tie my shoes without getting out of breath now. So. <clears throat> Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> our gospel song series. And our, uh, uh, what we said was this gospel song. Our gospel song is really our life of worship, right? How we live our lives on a daily basis to proclaim, to play, to play loud, right? The, the gospel of Jesus, how he has changed our lives. The miracle that is a sinner to a saint. That we proclaim that to the world how do we do that and it's, it's through our life of worship it's through our gospel song this miracle will we experience maybe maybe deaf ears can hear eyes can see dead things come into life that's the miracle that if you as a believer are in here have experienced in your life i mean because if you're a believer we all went from death to life that's a miracle right that's something that we can proclaim and shout from the rooftops it makes me think of that old uh, Toby Mac song, "Shout Up from the Rooftops, Give It All I Got." Shout, you know what I'm saying? How I used to rap back in my back in the day, y'all. Little little Slim Shady up here, you know what I'm saying? But we're like I said, we're in week four for okay, M M&M M for some of y'all newer folks who weren't were you know he was Slim Shady back in the day. Yeah, all right. But we're in week four of this series, and on in the first week we uh, we said that when it comes to our gospel songs that song that our lives should match our lips right the things that we proclaim from our mouth should be really what we believe in our heart with the gospel because some of us we have some really good speech but it never changes like nothing's ever been changed in our heart right your life should match your lips and here's what we said we said the size of your worship is the size of your view of the gospel how big is the story of the gospel in your life because if you don't if you don't see it for what it is your your worship is going to be small but when you realize that you had no way out, when you couldn't beat that addiction, when you couldn't beat, beat, beat that beat, beat that sin in your life, whatever that is, fill in the blank for whatever it is for you, when you couldn't beat that, you you found a way out. He provided a way out. And then week two, we 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 week two, we said said don't forget where you stand, and we talked about the story of Elijah right Elijah and the prophets of Baal and most time when churches talk about that they talk about the power of God which the power of God is in this story because he sent fire from heaven and it destroyed uh, destroyed the altar but what we said was it was that to worship we have to sacrifice the essence of worship is sacrifice and what did they have to give up that day on the mountain what did they have to pour out onto the altar the the water the agua right and they were in a three-year drought like this would have been crazy to think about right but it shows us the things that we hold on to most tightly are the things that are keeping us from living a, life, a true, joyful life in worship. And, and what we said was is that those things that we're holding so tight, and when, we, when we don't let those things go in our lives, that's us saying, even though we would never say it with our mouths, but it's us saying with our hearts, God, I don't trust you with this. Like, I can trust you with my salvation and get you to get me to eternity, but I can't trust you with this. To get, you get what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. You don't trust God to save you from hell, but you can't trust Him with that thing that you're holding on to so tightly? Come on now. That thing is little compared to your salvation. But I digress. But what we said was that even when we don't, even when we are holding those things so tight, even when we have turned our back on God, where were these people standing? They were stand, literally physically standing on the promise, the promised land. That we said that even though we may turn our backs, even though we may wander off, we are still standing on the promise, and all we have to do is sacrifice. All we have to do is turn around and say, I'm, God, I'm sorry, and I'm coming back to you. The essence of worship is sacrifice. And last week we said that because, because of Jesus, we are finally accepted into a family. Hello. Anybody need a, anybody need a family? And now we can live out our gospel song without shame and guilt that hinders us from living a joyful, worshipful life. And then it was time for us to say bye-bye shame and bye-bye guilt. We looked at the story of the woman with the blood issue. And that blood issue was an issue in of itself. Like, that was agonizing to live with. But the, but the ramifications of, of how she was viewed in that culture of worthless and me, like nobody. like She wouldn't even be allowed to be in the vicinity of anybody because that person would become unclean. And she touched Jesus, right? And we said that if we, like some of us in here, we just need to touch, reach out and touch Jesus, that he's close enough for us to touch. And she, she was healed, and, the, and she, Jesus was like, who touched me? Remember? And the disciples were like, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, we are in a crowd of people. We're at like a Limp Bizkit concert, and they're mosh pitting up front here. Like, of course people are going to touch you, right? I, I can't believe I just said Limp Bizkit in the, in the <laughs> sermon. Who, what do you mean, who touched you? And this woman felt, knew that she was healed, but she fell at the feet of Jesus in fear. You remember? She was fearful. Like, is this man going to treat me like every other man has in the world? Is this, is this man going to treat me like anybody else has? Is this man, man going to shun me, push me away like everybody else says, I'm dirty, I'm worthless, I mean nothing? And what did Jesus say to her? Daughter. Like, giving her acceptance. Getting, like, and it says he told her to leave and live in peace. That you could say bye-bye to shame and bye-bye to guilt. And here's the thing about this morning. This is gonna be, I was telling the guy, people in the praise team this. It's like This, this morning is going to be a little tough because some of y'all, some of y'all online, are going to have this preconceived notion of what this is all about. And I'm going to tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> okay? It's so much more than what's gonna pop in your mind here in a minute. But here here that Jesus this morning is this is that we have to we have to, we we have got to believe that Jesus is not into building an audience because audience just spectates. <laughs> you with me? He doesn't want no spectators. He's not into building an audience, but building an army. An army of followers who live out their, their gospel song by living a life of radical generosity. So before you tune me out, before you say, Oh, here's another preacher talking about money, it's so much more than just money. I said gener- In fact, I would say that if you that was what popped in your mind when I said generosity, maybe the money thing is what God is tugging at your heart for. Not me. But I digress because this morning is not just about money. It's not just about money. Before, so before you tune me out and think this is just a talk about money, I want you to know it's not about money. That, that it's, it, it's, it's about this idea that God is calling us, calling us and letting us know that the world is waiting for what you have. The world is waiting for what you have. There may have been people tell you you're not good enough. You have nothing to offer. You low down, no good, cheating heart. What's that old song? Country song. But the world is waiting for what you, inside of you right now as a believer. And if you're in here and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you think you're a follower of Jesus, but you're really not. Here's the thing. You could have a miracle inside of you right now that the world is waiting to see The world is waiting for what you have in your heart and in your hands and in your pockets. They're waiting to experience the miracle that you that you have. The miracle of saint to sinner. Well, sinner to saint. From unclean to clean, from blind to see. That the world is waiting for that. In fact, so much so is that I believe, and I don't want you missing this because this is a title for today, and it's pretty much if you miss anything else. <coughs> if you remember this, you'll get the, whole, get the whole summer when you're ready. I believe God is calling us to reinvest your miracle. He's calling you and me to reinvest our miracle. Like, what do you mean, Derek? What do you mean? Well, we'll get there. If we, because but if, cause if we don't reinvest our miracles, we will see an end to them. If we don't keep pouring ourselves out to people, showing them the, the mercy and the love and the grace of God, it will cease. Because without feet to walk and hands to move, the gospel goes nowhere. But here's the reality of, of this is this, is that in this room, and maybe you're listening online on Facebook Live right now, or maybe you're watching this at a later date, All of us in this room or online, we find ourselves in one of three categories this morning. And these three categories are are this, risk-takers, caretakers, or undertakers. Risk-takers, caretakers, or undertakers. You're either fully alive, you're trying to survive, or you're dead in your faith. Or you're dead in your faith. And I believe that Christ is calling all believers to be risk-taking, fully alive followers of Jesus, to let our gospel song play loud, to take big risk, as we say around here, because we serve a big God who took a big risk on you. You with me? The cross wasn't something easy, y'all. We wear it around our necks, and we have it tattooed on our arms like it's nothing, but it was a big deal. God sent his son into the world to save it. Not condemn it, but to save it. To save it. But all this reinvesting of our miracles, it, it, can, it, it can be uncomfortable. Right? But here's the thing that we have to understand is that God doesn't, doesn't call us to be comfortable. In this world, you will have trouble, it says. Will. Not maybe, not if you have enough money, you can pay, pay it off. No. In this world, you will have trouble. God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that, that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where, where we will live generously. Generously with our time and our talents and our treasures, what's in our heart, what's in our hands, and what's in our pockets. You want to live out a gospel song? You want your gospel song to play loud? You've got to live Generously so generously that when, when we do reinvest our miracle, like where we, 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 we like it's one of those, like so radical that if, if God doesn't show up, then we're in trouble. You, you with me? If he doesn't come through, we're in trouble. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a story of two friends of ours who had experienced a lot, the life-giving miracle of Jesus. They actually got to walk with Jesus, y'all they got to walk with jesus and they experienced they experienced a miracle they experienced their experience was going from nobodies to somebodies in jesus from sinner to salvation they were they were so fired up y'all they get them, they, they these are two people who got themselves in trouble on the daily because they were so like they were reinvesting their miracle so much that, that their experience with jesus and your miracle is your experience with jesus it doesn't have to be a broken leg that was healed immediately or canceled that cancer that was cure, cured before the doctors knew what happened. That, that, those miracles are awesome. If you got one of those miracles, you got to share that thing, baby. You know what I'm saying? You got to tell people, look what like God did to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about all the things that, that, we, that we, we have, the sin that's in our heart. That's a miracle that's that it's been cleaned out. These people had experienced, they got to see Jesus do some physical miracles. You with me? They got to see people's eyes open. They got to see the lame walk. They got to see a bunch of stuff. And they, have, they had experienced Jesus to the point where they're like, we can't hold this anymore. We can't just keep a hold of our miracle. And these two guys see an opportunity to reinvest their miracle. This is the story we're going to look at today. You ready? It's in Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, awesome. If not, it'll be on the screen. It's all good. We got you covered, girl. You with me? Acts 3.1, it says this. One afternoon, Peter and John, that's our friends, Peter and John. They're our brothers. You with me? Sometimes we, we look at names in the Bible like they're like the superior, like great people. Now, these people were screwed up just like we were. They're our brothers and sisters. They're our friends. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for, th- for their 3 o'clock prayer. That's what they did. They, they did that every day. You with me? They did that every day. How many people do you think they saw every day going to this 3 o'clock prayer service? You with me? One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for a three, three o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called beautiful, the, the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth being carried and placed at the entrance of the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going into worship. I, I wonder how many times that guy sat there at the gate every day. The same gate that Peter and John walked into or a day. I wonder how many times Peter and John gave them money. They gave him money, maybe. Or threw, threw, threw him off like he's just that scum beggar. How many times did, did they walk in that gate and not even notice before they met Jesus? Peter and John were doing their normal routine, y'all. And they were captured by the sight of this man man. That this man that wasn't like them. This man that was crippled. This man that that couldn't work because of his crippled. So he, his whole life was based around the idea of 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 hey, can you help me out? Can you give me a dime or a quarter or a nickel or whatever, so I can go. So I can like he was try, like he was trying his best to support the family that carried him there, but he couldn't because he couldn't work. But they were captured by the side of this man, and, and here's the thing, this was. This is what they did every day at 3 o'clock. They went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer service. Many of us ask God for a sign, right? I remember one time I was at a youth camp, and there was this smoking hot girl, y'all. And I said, God, and we're, we're, we're out there on the beach in the water, you know, floating around. And I said, God, if you want me to date this girl, if you want me to ask this girl out, you've got to send a seagull over. Where am I at? I'm at the beach, y'all. There's seagulls everywhere didn't know what we do sometimes god if you want me to do this if you, give me a sign of what you want me to do and here's the thing is that our biggest our biggest reinvestments happen in the everyday norm our biggest reinvestments of our miracle happens in the everyday norm in our everyday norm god if you want me to do this if you want me to you want me to step out in faith and take a risk if you want me to sign up for, to volunteer, if you want me to, if you want me to pay for that person behind me, behind me in line's groceries, if you want me to pump that gas for that, for that lady, if you want me to do that, you got to give me a sign. Um, you know that what's that comedian that says, "Here's your sign, do it." God often intervenes in the ordinary and mundane. Here's two guys who just happened to notice this man. This day, because they had encountered Jesus. Plus, y'all wanna know a little secret? You wanna know a little secret? Okay, he's already told you to step out in faith. It's the whole point of the Bible. Stepping out on faith. It's the whole point of, especially the New Testament, y'all. Have you read it? It's a constant step out in faith. Do what you're supposed to do. He, take big risks. He's already told us to. But here's another thing. Another thing that most Christians get wrong. We can't reinvest our miracles if we're, if we're disconnected from the world around us. That's why the Bible says to be in the world, to be, to, to be connected to the world, but not of it. You can be connected and not a part of it. You are not of this world, the Bible says, but while you're here in this world, you've got to be connected. Because if, if you can't see opportunities to, 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 to minister, to, to, to let your gospel song play out, to reinvest your miracle, if you're not looking for opportunities, you'll never see one. That's why Acts 3, 2, if we go back, it says, as they came to the entrance, called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight. They were captured by the sight. Because where they had this life-changing experience with Christ, they knew that they had to pay attention to the world around them. They had to look at the world around them to find find places to invest. We are called to transform the world, and we can't transform the world. We cannot transform the world that we do not engage. This separation mentality of us versus them, that's not Biblical. That's why it pains me so much that there's people in this world that are hurting, and they're not hurting because of just stuff in their life. They're hurting because the church has hurt them. Because they said, you're not like us, we're pushing you over here. And this is why so many believers live like caretakers or undertakers. They're not willing to engage the world around them. They're not really willing to have friends that aren't like them. And it's okay, to, it's okay to have, like, hey, listen, if everybody in your cell phone contact list is just like you, you're wrong. You with me? They stopped looking for opportunities, and it's easy to, to, it's easy to spot opportunities to reinvest your miracle when you're engaged, when you're, when you're connected, and you're looking for the opportunities to do that. You with me? Well, the Holy Spirit's with me, so it's okay. Acts 3, 3-6 says this. Every day, he, every day he, was set, he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John, remember, Peter and John already saw him. They were captured by the sight of this man being carried by his family and friends and sat at the gate. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. He asked for a handout. Peter, with John, at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. When Mama used to say that to me or Daddy, I, not too much Mama, but Daddy, when Daddy said, Look here, ooh, I knew I was about to get a butt whooping. He said, he said, he said Look here. And he looked up, expecting to get something from them. Anybody expecting to get something this morning? You're about to get something that you don't even notice. You ready? Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. But what I do have, ooh, this is that miracle coming, y'all. I give you. I give you. This is generosity. Living, like, Letting your gospel song play. He's about to let his gospel song play out loud, y'all. Peter understood the value this man's, of this man's life was more than just giving him a nickel or a dime or a dollar. He knew it was more than running to Chick-fil-A and buying him a meal and handing it to him on the curb. How many of us have done that and not even mentioned, hey, can I pray with you? You with me? You can hand somebody a dollar all day long, but until they have Jesus, that dollar ain't gonna mean nothing. Peter understood the value of this man. Like, do you understand the value of that man standing at the corner of Walmart's parking lot's value? Hello. Or at that exit, uh, you with me? That guy always sends at the one exit out in West Knoxville with the sign that says, "I'm a vet. Help me out." When was the last time you you one handed him anything to help him out? But when the last time. When have you prayed with him? When have you said, hey, man, Jesus loves you? And this is on me too, y'all. Or are we letting our gospel song play loud? Peter understood the value of this man's life was to stop and offer the miracle that they had experienced in Jesus. They understood that it, that it, that They understood this, that it's hard to appreciate the value of what you haven't fully invested in. You with me? How can you appreciate the value of something that you haven't fully invested in? A lot of they a lot of us have invested into a lot of really cool things. At the end of the day, they end up in junkyards and trap heaps. But they held value to you, right? When was the last time you invested in that uncle's life or that cousin's life or that coworker's life? Because that's basically us saying that person doesn't have value but these guys understood this man's life had value and they knew that this man had value because the love of Christ showed them their value because you let me be honest with you that that worst person that person in your life that you think is the worst person in history the one you just can't stand to be around guess what they have value You were once that person too. <laughs> you with me? You were once that despised, neglected, worthless person. But the love of Christ changed you. You know why? The love of Christ is always attracted to anything lost. So why do we push people away? <laughs> you with me? I told I told y'all this is going to be a hard one, didn't I? It's hard for me. Mm -hmm. Always attracted is attracted to anything lost. Why are we so? Why do we? Why do we expel those people out of our lives? When Christ says, "I'm attracted to them," they're in your life because I'm in you. The miracles in you. The miracles in you. Because once we get too far up on that high horse, realize that we once were there, we're caretaking and undertaking, y'all. Let's keep reading. So verse 6 says, Peter, Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. I feel like that half the time. My pockets are empty, y'all. But what I do have, I give you. What does he give? This is generosity. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Can you imagine being that guy who would probably sit there for years? Did you not see me just get carried here, bro? You with me? Like I have been able to walk. in here. look at my ankles. Look at like they're they're not there. Like you can wrap your like your your fingers around. Like ah, boy, like jokes, ha ha. Just give me some. Give me a nickel. You know what I'm saying? He says walk, but he doesn't just walk. He doesn't just speak words. It says he grabbed him by the right hand, and he pulled him up. When's was the last time you pulled somebody up? In an instant, his feet and ankles be- became firm. Maybe the, that person's healing is not only in your words, but in your touch by pulling them up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. Can you imagine jumping for the first time? We're trying to get Jax to jump. He just, can't, poor little guy, he can't do it. <laughs> Your feet supposed to leave the ground, bruh. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Verse 8, the man went into the temple with them. Cause it, hey, because here's another, here's a little unique thing. This, where this man was crippled, they would have thought he was being punished from God and wouldn't be welcomed into worship. Huh. <laughs> Imagine walking into worship for the first time. Hey, y'all, look at my ankles. They're cankles now. You with me? He's jumping around, dancing. The man went to the temple with them, walking back and forth. He's just like, hey, guys, this is mine now. Woo! Dancing and praising God. Everybody there there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate, beautiful, and rubbed their eyes. He was. you sure that's him it looks like him it smells like him I just saw him wearing them clothes five minutes ago when I walked by they were astonished scarcely believing what they were seeing because when God moves people are like oh that's not normal (laughs) they weren't believing what they were seeing the 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 man the man threw his arms around Peter and John ecstatic. And all the people ran up to where they were at Solomon's porch to see it for themselves. Because Peter and John reinvested their miracle, this man's life was forever changed. He could work, he could earn a wage now, he could support his family for the first time. Instead of begging, now he can provide These guys decided, as, as, they, as they say around here, as we say around here, they decided to size up. they take a big risk because we serve a big God to be, to be the church, to reinvest their miracle. They poured it out where they lived, they worked, and they played. But sometimes that can be extremely uncomfortable. They're, I don't like doing it that way. See, back when I was little and going to church, we did it this way. I don't like that style of music. The man, those that drummer, he hits them so hard he messes up the cymbal stand. And we we didn't we didn't do that back in, back when, when I grew up in church. We we sang kumbaya real soft and Derek, it's just a little it's just a little too, a little too loud. Dick, I don't like that you don't preach in a suit. I only own one, and it doesn't fit anymore because I'm 100 pounds down, y'all. Woo! Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but Derek, but Derek, like, but Derek, but Derek, 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 I've never seen a preacher before with gauged ears. This doesn't look like a church to me. That's not how we've done it in the past. That's I prefer doing it this way. Those religious leaders in that day was probably like, "Listen, we don't we don't heal people. Like, we don't do that. We don't believe in resurrection because we're Pharisees. We don't believe in new life. We're just so we're not fair. You see, preacher jokes all day long, or." What if God is calling you to invest your miracle in a way that's never been done before? because the 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 moment that we let our preference outweigh the mission, we might as well go home. We might as well go home. They poured it out where they lived working the day, but for many of us here, maybe you're online and for us to live radically generous lives where we reinvest our miracles into others, it requires all of us to say this. We will not sacrifice a lost soul on the altar of our preferences. We will not sacrifice a lost soul at the altar of our preferences. Sometimes you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable and that you don't like to do. We have to be willing to do things we don't like doing to reach, heal, restore those who are lost. We have to cross the line. We have to cross the line. We have to do everything short of sin to reach those far from God. As Christians, we don't draw lines in the sand. We don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. And it may not be how you like it, what God is calling you to may make you uncomfortable, but what he's asking you to do is trust. Trust him. And a lot of times it looks a lot it looks a lot like those things that we don't like being generous with. You with me? So what is it that he calls us to be generous with? There's three things I believe. We've talked about them a lot since we've Sorry, shift church. But for our gospel song to play loud, for us to reinvest our miracle, we have to reinvest our time. We have to reinvest our time. I don't have time to do anything, Derek. You have time to watch that TV show, don't you? I'm not saying don't watch TV shows. I'm like, listen, put on a new dateline, y'all. You got me. But wait, when that new season of Virgin River comes out, y'all, Ooh, best be, no, I'm binging. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like a soap opera, okay? But we, we have to reinvest our time. See, Luke, when Luke, Luke says this, <laughs> Luke says this, ready? He says, it's our friend Luke. Remember, he's a friend. He's just like us. Then Jesus turned to the to his host. Like they're at this banquet, y'all. It's this fancy banquet, right? It's not one of them just like, you know, throw together sports banquets. It's like, it's legit. This person brought him to his house. They're having a meal, y'all. When they then Jesus turned to to his host and said, "When you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends, relatives, or rich neighbors, for it is likely that they will return the favor." What's that saying? You invite somebody to go out to eat and you pay for it. Guess what I'm doing next time, Brian? I'm paying for your meal. It's better, you ready, to invite those who never get an invitation. (laughs) This is that story of invite people that aren't like you to sit around the table with. It's better to invite those you never get an invitation. Invite the poor to your banquet along with the outcast and the handicapped and the blind those who could never repay you the favor, then you will experience a great blessing in this life. And at the resurrection of the, of the godly, you will receive a full reward. We got to be like Jesus, y'all. Spend enough time with sinners to ruin your reputation with religious leaders. Hey, I'm okay with having a bad reputation to reach people. I to do everything short of sin to, to reach those around me. You know what happens next in the story after the man gets healed? I'm just gonna, I we're going to read. Like, we're going to read part of it. But, but so these Peter and John get to start start to share the gospel because all, they had this crowd because they they started to come to worship John and Peter Peter and John, right? And they said, No, 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 no. It's not by our power. It's by the power of Jesus Christ. You know the one that you said crucify him like a month ago. This man was healed by his power, not ours. So they're out there teaching about Jesus. And the religious leaders, you know, the ones that we're like, we don't care if they have, we have a bad reputation with them, they get caught up. Here's, so we're in chapter 4 now, and it says this. That because they spent time with people that weren't like them, this is what happens. The teaching, the teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests. You may get mad. <laughs> the captain of the temple police and representatives of the Jewish sect of Sadducees, because they're so sad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> the temple police and representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. Every time y'all read that, you're like Pharisees, Sadducees. You're going to be like, oh, they're so sad, Because they were. They didn't believe in the resurrection, y'all. They were furious... They were mad, y'all. They were really jealous. That the people were being taught that in Jesus there is resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, like right in the middle of it, like not like when they got done, they didn't wait in the back of the room until they got done, like right in the middle of it, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. Finish him. World combat style. You know what I'm saying? Verse 3, they had them arrested, and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. They were in jail. That's what that means for y'all people who never get in trouble. That means they were in jail all night long. Yet there were many in the crowd. How many? Many in the crowd who believed the message because they reinvested their miracle their experience with Jesus, many believe that day. Bringing the total number of men, not counting women or children, number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. And you're worried about being comfortable, and they just stepped out in faith, took a big risk, reinvested their miracle, and there's 5,000 people going to heaven, five, at least 5,000 men, plus their wives, their children, whatever. like, hey, y'all. We got some we got some catching up to do don't we and these are just normal guys on their normal routine day going in to pray doing what they do every day so they reinvested their time we have to reinvest our time we have to here's the second thing we have to reinvest our talent some of y'all got some good talent y'all Romans twelve six through eight it says this having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us, what's those next words? Use them. (laughs) If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, hello. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, The one who contributes in generosity? The one who leads with zeal? The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness? What is this saying? Instead of using our talents just for selfish gain, what if we use them to build the kingdom? I'm not talking about shift church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. You want to sing a hallelujah? You want to raise a hallelujah? Start using your talents to build the kingdom of God. Here's the third thing. You ready? And this is the one that makes people a little uncomfortable. But I'm tired of being bashful about it. You ready? We have to reinvest our treasure. We have to reinvest our treasure. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes. And all tithes mean is 10%. So if you make a dollar, you give 10 cents. You Make $2, 20 cents. $3, guess what it is? If I if I was in the classroom I'd give you a treat right now, forget that right? Even though you didn't raise your hand and wait for me to be called on, call on you. <laughs> Bring all the tithe, that's ten percent into the storehouse, so that there will be enough food in the temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. <laughs> Try it. Some versions say, test me. This is the one thing that God says, test me in it. Put me to the test. Derek, I don't want to this, this like, feel that tension in the room right now. So here's what I'm going to tell you. you're like, Derek, you're just after my money. This church, churches are just after my money. I challenge you to give somewhere else. You still come here and tend. Give somewhere else for a while. Or, I say this challenge a lot. Rather, give here for the next six months. And if you don't feel like God has moved in your life, rather financially, family-oriented, or whatever, God hasn't blessed you, guess what we'll do? We'll write you a check back. Sorry, Mom. She's the one that writes all the checks for us. You with me? Give it a try for six months, see if God doesn't test me, he says. But see, here's the thing. This very building that you're sitting in right now, in fact, the very chair that you're sitting in right now, was brought to you by the generosity of other people, by them reinvesting. Not only their time coming here and working, your talent, their talents, because Lord knows I can't build nothing, and their treasure. The seat that you're sitting in, someone paid for. You with me? Someone decided to reinvest, not to build shift church. In fact, the very reason that you're able to watch us right now online is because someone decided to reinvest. Their miracle, their experience with Jesus, of their time, their talent, and the treasure. Not just to build shift church, but so that future generations will experience the miracle they experienced in Jesus. They let their gospel song play loud. It's time for us to reinvest our miracle. Now what does that look like? It looks like our time, it looks like our talents, and it looks like our treasure. Test me and see. But all I know is this: is that in Matthew twenty-eight, this is what he says. Jesus came and told the disciples, "I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth." And so, in the Greek, it adds in, and that that authority is in you, because who's in you? Christ is in you. Therefore. Go invite people to church. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and be generous. Radically generous by making disciples. How do you reinvesting your miracle? How do you reinvest your miracle? You sharing with someone who has lost. By investing your time with them. Investing your treasure, and you reinvest your talents. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't bring them to church to do that. No. It's your job. You want your gospel song to play loud? Live radically generous with your time, talent, and your treasure. Our gospel song, our life of worship requires us to go and reinvest our miracles and make disciples of all people, all of them. You want, you want to raise a hallelujah? You want the enemy to fall flat? Because, listen, you, you start reinvesting your miracle, there's going to be some, you'll get, you may not physically get arrested and stay there overnight, like these guys did. But things are going to, the enemy's going to throw some things at you. Right? remember we cannot sacrifice a lost soul on the altar of our preference our preference of comfort or style God may be calling you to something new we got to reinvest our miracle so the question becomes this morning how are you going to reinvest yours how are you going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemy with me dear heavenly father we want to thank you so much that you are a god who says that you really you're a god that wants us to be a part of your story that you want us i think of i think i think of the words of paul who says who, who who says i fill up what is lacking in christ's afflictions and what was lacking is the hands and the feet and the pockets that spread the gospel. (coughs) God, my prayer is that we start seeing that miracle that you've done in us, that we start praying and that we start seeing and that we start looking for opportunities to reinvest into those around us. God, my my prayer for Shift Church has always been and will always be that we don't just be a place where people attend. But that we are a place. That we are a place where, where we decided. That we decided we're going to be the church in our community. We're going to reinvest. We're going to look for opportunities to reinvest our miracles, God. And I pray this. Not, as a church, as, not only as a church as a whole, but as individual lives, that we seek opportunities to let our gospel song play loud by reinvesting our miracle, reinvesting our lives, pouring our lives out where we live, work, and play, even if that means we have to take a big risk.